All right, that Davis show. I'm lucky enough to be joined by a friend of the show, executive producer extraordinaire for the Lawrence Holmes show. Make sure you check out that show on 670 to score between noon and 2 p.m. Also, executive producer of the Cubs on the radio at 670. All right, he's holding down that. But the real reason we brought my man on is because he's co-host of the Locked on Sox podcast with Chris Tannehill. All right. Mm-hmm. Two adamant Sox fans, guys that you know know a lot about sports. All right, calls himself a sports enthusiast. I think he's a little bit better than just an enthusiast, but uh, you know he's trying to keep it factual, whatever, whatever. Even though today we're not gonna be friends, all right, we'll do some some fisticuffs. <laughs> Joking, but let alone to say, I have Herb Lawrence. All right, follow him at Urshuel twenty three. That's Lawrence backwards. If you don't know, uh, he's a great follower. Uh, I always enjoy following him because he comes straight from the heart. He's he's authentically him. And that's one thing before we start, I truly, 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 truly love about you, Herb. It inspires me to be more authentically me because you're authentically you. All right. So definitely keep it up. Let's jump into the socks. Uh, before we get into the Ricky thing, which you call mm-hmm. hanging fruit, which I think is unjust depending on who is the person throwing those javelins at Ricky. I do mm-hmm. think it's low hanging as a general socks fan that always goes at Ricky. But me personally, I'm not the type of person to really go at Ricky. So for me, it wasn't low-hanging fruit yesterday. But I really want to start off with uh, the pitching. And I want to start off with Dylan Cease. And I want you to tell me, and we definitely go back and forth, where you feel like I'm wrong. Uh, and definitely I'll say the same to you. Uh, in a Dylan Cease, I probably, and I said this to Ryan Tuesday during the show, I would have started Dylan Cease, all right, for, for game three. Because, just because even though he didn't have, he didn't have the same, I won't say he had a good as year as Dave Dunning, uh, but still, you know, he had he had so many more innings going from last season going into this season. I just thought, even though Dave Dunning seemed better, but still seemed like he was more seasoned. So I was going to go with season. That's all Ryan did, right? He decided to go with Dunning, which that's that's cool. And I actually like the fact that Ricky Renteria or Rick Renteria, let me give him his proper his proper dues. Rick Renteria, he went with Cease late in Game Two because with the boppers that you have, go mm-hmm. for it. it's the playoffs. You know what? If you're going to do it, do it all the way. All right, so I was fine with that. But this is where my, my problem comes in, uh, Herb, is if you're going to go with Dunning. And I know what Ricky said as far as how they were going to use Garrett Crochet, Crochet, Crochet rather. I know what they said, which I sounds, I hate to say it, sounds kind of asinine to me. All right, and as far as looking, reading more into it, uh, I believe it, was, it may have been James Fegan and Athletic talking about Ricky had some epiphany basically about when he was coaching the, the world uh, baseball, uh, WBL rather, uh, from Mexico against Canada. And Canada had a litany of left-handers, and he thought about that. My only issue was that the only people you had to worry about was Lestetta Lamb and Olsen. And I understand that you were, you're necessarily afraid, but still it made more sense to at least try to run Dunning for three. If he gave up one, you have enough hitters that probably you'll be able to, to overtake that one. Now, definitely, if that inning blew up, then we're in some trouble, and I see why he did it. But I, I felt like if you're going to go with Dunning, it was too early to go into a bull game, a bullpen game. What did you think when that was taking place? Um, I thought, and thank you for having me on, Ken. Uh, I thought that to have Dunning instead of Cease was probably the right move you're going to do a starter because Dunning has had a better year all told than Cease and Cease is inconsistent this whole year, but Dunning's last two starts in the regular season were not good. My druthers, I would have had one of the bullpen guys started Matt Foster or Garrett Crochet, one of those guys, but I understood his, his thought process there, but he might've pulled the trigger a little too early on Dunning. He gave up two hits through two and a third innings, and he was like, that's enough. I've seen enough. I'm going to go to the guy 
that I trust that hasn't given up anything in Garrett Crochet, the guy that no one has seen this year really except for Cleveland and Cincinnati. And so if I think his plan to go with Crochet goes all the way through, Crochet gives him an inning and a third there. He finishes the first then finishes the second without the injury. A lot of people are talking different now because it sets up a little bit differently because of he gets them a more length. Even if he gets through the second or the third, you know, goes two innings in a third. I think the problem is the results were ter- terrible. Garrett Crochet gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Then you give up the lead with Matt Foster, who walks two guys when the bases are loaded. Those things, you know, are performance and yeah, not, not, you know, not Ricky's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, I think – his moves were smooth. I think they're fine. And after that, I think the players need to execute the plan. And they didn't. The pitchers walked nine people yesterday. You, you're not going to win a lot of games if you walk nine people. True. And definitely facts. That David Show right here, co-host of the Locked On, Pod, Locked On Sox podcast, Herb Lawrence with me. I want to go Dunning, but then back to Crochet. Now, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you my issue of Dunning, and you brought up the last two starts. But even if you go against the Plesak start uh, with Cleveland, and when I remember watching Police Act that game, like, oh, this kid is nasty, right? Which was I, coming back to remember the Clevengers out, out all night with Police Act uh, uh, night or whatever. Uh, they basically got Clevenger sent to San Diego since his teammates didn't really trust him anymore, anymore for lying. But the, my problem with the Dunning thing is, yeah, Dunning's last two starts kind of look shaky. The thing I always liked about Dunning was his grit and his stuff. But he would, he would miss left a lot trying to sit there and, and, and hit that box. He would, he would miss. So you ca- it kind of looked like a Dunning game at the beginning of it is my issue with pulling out Dunning. Now, top of that, it's the playoffs. You only got one game. I'm so I'm not really bashing Ricky because another thing I want to get to, this falls on Rick Hahn, all right? And if we want to go all the way up to King, this falls on Rick Hahn. I'm going to get to that with the, with the Garrett, Cro- Garrett Crochet part. Listen, to be honest with you, um, talking to the old, I'm in the house screaming yesterday just to let you know, right? Like that's the thing about socks and baseball. See, baseball pulls you in different from the other the other big two for me. All right, I'm I'm more to, I'm more a basketball, football, baseball guy. All right, but and I love them all <coughs> to the same degree. But baseball and the amount of time you put in it, or just just how it makes me feel, it, it infuriates me when something's going wrong. So I'm in the house screaming. I try not. I not to say I, I, I don't, but I try not to curse around my kids, let alone just out loud. And I'm, I'm walking through the house and I'm like, you know, the kid that was just averaging 100 miles per hour. They, they pull his arm out, right? So um, I'm upset and I, I don't put this all the way on Ricky because Ricky has to get the OK. All right. Like, you, you'll be silly. Not think he has to be like, yeah, I'm going to try to pitch this kid two innings. I never liked the whole narrative that. He pitches so effortly and it had come so easy to the degree because I think we, we don't still pay attention that this kid is probably throwing the hell out of that ball because it's his first time in the big show. So that's just the, the appearances before he got to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now putting him in the playoffs and we know how ramped up and how leveraged that is. So you're going to put it on this kid and you're, you were talking about going two innings with him? The best case scenario, you were saying you were going to go two and a third with him. To me, that's ridiculous. And I, I was listening to Locked on Socks earlier. And listen, you and Tanny are right. This kid was going to blow out his stuff. And, I'm not, and I hate to say it facetiously, like, ah, it's no big deal. You know what I'm saying? But we know how well Tommy John's surgery goes nowadays. So it's, it's not the same thing as 25 uh, years ago or whatsoever. 
Mm-hmm. But I still don't think you had to do it. Yes, it probably would have happened. Just like if the Sox trading the guy to Clevenger, probably that would have happened to the Sox as far as him being hurt. You never know, but it usually it's how many bullets you have necessarily in the gun. But but why press this kid so early? Yes, use him for any, but I don't think you should have ever thought you should have pushed this kid to two and a third in a playoff game because you're gonna you, there's chances are you're gonna end up in a situation like this how early he is in his career. I mean, desperate moves create desperate situations, so they had to think about what are their best options there. No Giolito available, no Keiko available, so they got to use the bullpen guys because the starters are not as good. So there's like, okay, the people who haven't been hit this year are Hoyer, Foster, and Crochet pretty much, and they're new too, so there's no scouting report. Oakland hadn't seen them the whole year. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been any scouts at games, so also those guys wouldn't have a good feel about what they offer. I just think in like – you used crochet because firstly his stuff is nasty. Secondly is Oakland would be like, Oh man, this is a hundred miles per hour, right-handed, left-handed, whatever the guy, you saw how you made Chris Davis look before he went out with the forearm soreness. Guys don't see that fastball. He's six, six. He's got arms and glove and legs coming at you. And that ball's on top of you that quickly. So however long they could have got out of the kid, I would have taken that would have been, Fine. And yeah, uh, big stage, tough to perform in there because you're just a youngster, a rookie, didn't really, didn't even pitch in the minor leagues. So it would have been a tough go for him. And same thing with Dunning and any other young player, Dylan Cease, who's a second year player. But this is the time we need to do it. And if they fail, like I said on the podcast, it's a good failure. It's like, hey, this is, this is an experience that I got that many others don't get. And you know what? I'm feeling this right now. I don't want to feel this ever again. So what I'm going to do is make sure that I get my game settled. And so next time I don't feel the nerves, like Matt Foster, he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. He was – his nerves were all over the place. He wasn't throwing the ball over the plate at all. Next time when he gets in that situation, which should be next year, he'll be better. And I hope you'll be better. I just think you got to sink or swim with these guys. And I'm not saying this year was an experimental year, but I'm saying whatever you got out of this playoff was house money. Mm -hmm. It was extra. You didn't need to win the World Series this year. You didn't need to advance. I would have loved for them to advance and play the Houston Astros. but And it hurt when they lost yesterday. But I'm going to take this year as a success, as a uh, net positive, and moving along because I think that they're a year ahead of where I even thought they would be at this time. So I think next year competing and next year, if they don't make a certain level, I'm going to be like, tough. Come on, guys. You need to be – you've already got the experience. That can't be an excuse. We're ready. We're seasoned veterans now. We got three games in our belt of playoff experience. Now we're good to go. That Davis Show right now, we have Herb Lawrence, executive producer of the Lawrence Home Show, uh, noon to 2 on 670 to score every weekday. Make sure you check it out. Probably best show in the city. Um, definitely one of my favorite shows, so definitely uh, check it out. And as we enter into football, and there's not a lot to talk about sports-wise, they're mm-hmm. going to take care of you as far as entertaining you, which a lot of people, maybe they can't do. All right. that's a- <laughs> All right, so listen, uh, I want to get into Ricky, especially when you just said, 
as far as this was a year early, uh, but I, after this, um, because it's, it's, it's a couple of things that uh, jumped out to me when you said that. I, too, agree with you. I just wanted them to make it to the playoffs, and I didn't care if they lost, but how they lost this last game, slightly compounded with probably the last three innings of game two, because game two pulled your butt back in there. It was like, zoop, 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 zoop. and getting into game two, uh, the last to bat, um, Jose Abreu, right? I remember sitting there uh, when he when he sat there and tried to shoot it through the right gap, and I was on a text thread with a bunch of the guys, and I made a I made a statement that was like, man, he did the right thing. Even though I would have loved for him to go swinging for the fences, he did the right thing, and I'm happy he did the right thing, right? And we all know how you've been trying to get rid of Jose Abreu for the last two years. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I get rid of him. I just didn't think he should be resigned, but, but I was wrong. Okay, okay. I just want to ask you about. I definitely want to ask you about that. I'm happy you, you definitely said that. Um, but the problem was, mm-hmm. what I have with Jose is what he did with yesterday's game, with the last at-bats that he had, mm-hmm. two, I would say, where he went back to there's no protection around me, and he went to basically hero ball. Now, let me ask you, should I be upset with him? That, and not upset, because that's saying too much with the great season that he's had this year. Not upset, perplexed, I, I think is a better word to use. Should I be perplexed or should I be happy that him looking at as being the leader of this team decided, let me try to put it all on my shoulders? Or again, when you got all these hitters around you, man, you just got to get up there and see what happens. Um, he should, and we went over this, he should have had a better approach in those at-bats. Mm-hmm. Like the bat yesterday, um, the, not yesterday, two days ago, where they lost 5-3. to three. I was fine with him hitting that ball to hit right to the second baseman. It was a rocket shot. Mm-hmm. He, I understand what he was doing there. But the ground ball double play that Joachim Soria induced, that ball is on the outside plate, part of the plate. Usually he will shoot that to right field and get a run in. Instead, he falls right into Joachim Soria's plan to hit a right a 6-4-3 double play to end the inning in the, the threat there. And then, like, with bases loaded, I think he hit a ball earlier in the game right to the third baseman. Sometimes, you know, you can do your best, and it just doesn't work out. That one I would not give him as much grief for. But, yeah, the Joachim Soria bat wasn't a thing that I enjoyed. I think if he's going to be the guy that is elevated to an MVP level, those are the moments you got to come through on. If you don't, you get to get a little bit brushed back, but for the most part, he comes through in those things during the regular season. And I think people always say, well, he's a clutch player and he does it when it matters. There's no, no time more that matters in the playoffs. So if you're not performing then, I, you know, you might have a problem with me. With, uh, you might have a problem with me when you say he does it when it matters if he doesn't come through there. Just need some contact right there. Like first and second, one out. I need contact to the right side. I need a pop fly so the the guy could advance the third at least. Something else than the double play there. I was very disappointed in the result and the process he was going through. Like, what were you thinking? It's an outside fastball. Take that, shoot that to right field, and whatever happens there – happens and like you were saying maybe he was playing hero ball trying to hit a ball real hard and pull on a ball real hard where he should just be taking what the pitcher is giving him which he usually does 
Yeah, go Oppo with that. Uh, look, you mentioned that, you know, you didn't want them to resign him. How do you feel about the resigning, and not just this year, but the, the next two years, but also how do you kind of feel like they should go about a certain uh, Adam Bond? And I mean incorporate that into how well I feel that Jose played first base and how it seems like he feels like that's a part of his job. He's not a guy that's just rushing since he's been here. We know that's the narrative that they told him in his first couple of seasons, like, you better get better or you're going to be a DH. But how do you think they should kind of insert Bond and can slowly try to take Jose off of first, first base? What do you think about that? Jose had a great year at first base. He might even be the gold glove. That's how good he was right. that year. He I improved think. from a, a negative eight defensive run save from 2019 to a, I think, plus four. It's probably the highest as a first baseman this year in the 60 games that he played. That's a market improvement. That's awesome improvement. I that is one of the reasons why I want him not re-signed because he was a bad defensive player last year and the years before. This year he worked on that game. He's done a great job, and so he's turned his game over a hundred percent. If he's this guy, a hundred percent, I want him on the field and I want him to play out his contract. Now with Andrew Vaughn, I would say he should be in the lineup next year. Either that being a DH slash first baseman, the guy hits. That's one thing where Nick Madrigal, you saw when he come up, he hits. That, mm-hmm. was, the, that was the thing on him. He's going to hit. And they say that Andrew Vaughn is a better hitter and a power guy. He's probably the best hitting prospect in the draft that they picked him and then also that the Sox have picked up in a long time in the draft. So he's going to be a, a guy that's going to get knocks. And he's not a superb first baseman. So pushing Jose Abreu to the side, especially if he's playing this well, probably not my favorite thing to do. But he's, he's a youngster, so he has to play some field. Being that young and playing DH, I don't think that, that meshes. Yeah, I that's agree. not a big thing. Yeah. So, but he doesn't have another position. He can't play third. I mean, he can play third, but Yohan's already there. Mm-hmm. and first base is already occupied, so the outfield is not an option. I don't think he don't think he has a good enough arm to play the left or right field. So if Andrew Vaughn is not on the team next year, I'm going to be very disappointed unless they trade him for a high-level pitcher. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only thing I could see Andrew Vaughn being not on the 2021 roster because he was doing work in the summer camp that they were having, and there was whispers that he might have made the team um, late in the season if they need him. He was on the active uh, roster, the 60-man roster, to, to be called up, but not in the playoff roster. Like, if they would have made the next round and they needed him, Andrew Vaughn could have been available for the ALDS there. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big-time fan of him. I think that he could do some things next year and help the team out well. I want to ask you about Vaughn, but real quick, you brought up Nick Magical, and it's like I said in the past when you said that you you thought it was time for Nick Magical, the Nessus, I'm not Nick Magical, I'm sorry, Jose Abreu, that they shouldn't have resigned Jose Abreu. Uh, Lawrence, host of the show UEP, uh, he was always gets on uh, uh, Nick Magical and calls him slappy. Has did Lawrence come around anymore? Does he like uh, Nick Magical anymore? Is it still that he does just doesn't like that type of player in this MLB right now? Lawrence thinks, like, if you're a player like Nick Madrigal, singles hitter, only a singles hitter, you have to do everything else very well. And he doesn't. He's a really dumb baseball player. Like, base running, he's, like, clueless. Mm -hmm. Fielding, he's not plus, like we were told. He was a gold glover last year in the minors. 
And we have seen that he's made a couple flubs, especially getting the ball and tagging the runner instead of flipping it over to Timmy and let Tim's strong arm get the guy at first instead of making the air there. And then right. also the ball that hit the lip of the grass. He's got to know that, yeah, it's a tough bounce and there's going to be tough bounces. That ball needs to be smothered no matter what. If you're, even if you're not going to catch the ball, it needs to be smothered to save one of the runs. You saw Tim Anderson dive for a ball. He had no chance of throwing that ball out, that guy out at second, but he made sure that ball stayed in the infield mm-hmm. and they preserved the, the run. The run didn't score. Right. And they got him out later on. You got to give your pitcher another chance to survive. So he needs to improve his baseball IQ. And I agree with Lawrence. You can't be singles hitter and dumb <laughs> and costing your team runs. <laughs> like Aloy Jimenez. He makes mistakes in the outfield, but also brings a 350 and right. hits the ball far and hits it hard. Yes. Like he brings oppo. a tool to, to the team. Like, singles hitters, anybody can do that shit. So, get out of here. Yeah, I can't. But uh, <laughs> that David show, Herb Lawrence, follow him at Urshuwal23. Uh, Herb, look, uh, I want to talk about the future. And you just mentioned Vaughn and using him to get uh, a starting pitcher. Would you prefer to use him perhaps to get a left-handed hitter and to go out and sign Trevor Bauer so you don't have to get up any prospects to get Trevor Bauer? Or do you think Trevor Bauer might be a problem in, in that clubhouse? No, Trevor Bauer would be the perfect guy for that clubhouse. Him or Marcus Stroman. I, we need some outspoken people and talented people. Trevor Bauer is exactly what the, national, the um, Major League Baseball needs. Great player, talks his stuff and then backs it up and promotes the game for himself and for Mm -hmm. his teammates. I'm sure Trevor loves Timmy. He loves Tim talking. He loves the the promotion and how good Tim is. I think the correlation between Tim Anderson becoming himself and talking more and him becoming a great player is no coincidence. Once you're comfortable and being your own person – and showing your own personality, I think you're, you let all that garbage go and you relax and you become your own guy. And then at the plate and on the field, you relax and you have a good time. You enjoy the game. And I think that's the same direct correlation of Trevor Bauer. Before you heard about this crazy dude with a crazy routine and he likes to do these long tosses and such, but you didn't know about the guy that much. Then he started doing his YouTube channels. Then he started being a little bit more boisterous on Twitter and started getting more himself on Twitter. And then last year in Cleveland slash Cincinnati, better pitcher than he was in Cincinnati. I mean, in Cleveland, he was an inconsistent pitcher in Cleveland, but you could see the glimpses of, okay, that guy's kind of good. You wouldn't give up a guy like Trevor Bauer's skill if he was the guy that showed up in Cincinnati this year. Cleveland gave up on him because they're like, He's good, but he's also a head case, and he's not good enough. Then he put it all together, and he showed his personality in the offseason and all these other things. The performance showed out, too. I think once you start being yourself, instead of being the, the, the robot baseball wants you to be, mm-hmm. especially if you're an outspoken person, that's why we get so like, like surprised after people – in their seat in their careers or in their season and they're actually good speakers and they're very entertaining like whoa i didn't hear all this stuff while you're playing it's like because right. that's baseball baseball tamps you down it wants you to be 
hey, hit that home run and then drop your bat on the ground and then run the bases like you've been there before. No, F that garbage. If you're a guy that likes to flip the bat, flip your bat. If you're a guy who likes to strut off the mound after you uh, strike somebody out, do it. Those highlights get shared. Trevor Bauer, <laughs> after he struck somebody out the other day, strutted off the mound like Conor McGregor. I loved it. Everybody loved it. Right. Talk your stuff. And when Trevor Bauer got uh, – uh, Tim Anderson got a homer off ter- Trevor Bauer, he's like, dude, flip the bat. Right. I want you right. to do that. You said you're going to do it. Flip the do bat. Do it. I'm with you. I think, it, yeah, I think they could do it. That would be a perfect match for the White Sox to get him. Marcus Stroman's the same way. He finessed the system this year where he opted in to play, but he was hurt. And then when he got enough games to, to accrue a year, all, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I'm opting out, y'all. Peace. <laughs> Thanks, though. I got, I'm free agent next year. Thanks, man. Got, I was like, what I my man's. <laughs> yeah, and, and you uh, watch the World Baseball Classic, too. He was pissed at Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico was talking snuck about his mom, who was Puerto Rican, and they thought that he was going to be on that team, and that's what drove him and the U.S. team to win that World Baseball Classic. The last one we had is because he was a beast, and he went specifically at Puerto Rico because they were talking so much smack about him and his mom, and every time he faced them, he would make sure that they knew, and he would talk smack on the mound after he struck them out. And that's what you need. Like, once you get out of the way of baseball's rules and regulation, unrules, un, uh, unwritten rules, I mm-hmm. think especially people of color can survive and strive. And like, all these people you see in the league now, Amir Garrett, Tim Anderson, once you're yourself, my man Marcus Stroman, once you're yourself and express the person that you're off the field, not that baseball robot they want you to be, mm-hmm. you strive for greatness. That David show, that's Herb Lawrence, co-host of the Locked On Sox podcast. You can find it where everywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, first of all, I want to say this before I shoot the next question. This is a safe place, my friend. If you want to say bullshit or shit, please go ahead. Now, maybe the F word we don't need to do because that may be a bit too crass, but you, you, you go and do it. I heard you on the Locked On Sox. There's a little bit of swearing. Oh, I swear it's way too much on that. Right, so, it happens to us. But look, let's get to, let's get to Ricky. Um, I appreciate everything that Ricky Renteria has done for this team. Like that be said at first, I think he's done yeoman's work of bringing this young collective and getting them to a spot. One thing you mentioned earlier in this interview was that they're ahead of schedule and in being ahead of schedule, I would have accepted Ricky next year, but like, it's like, you know what? We're like during this year, you kind of knew you were ahead of schedule, but when it got to the, the end of the year, it's like, you know what? We're really, really, really ahead of schedule and that's with pitchers that that aren't even here yet even though we don't know if we can count on them and that's why we're talking about Strowman and also Trevor Bauer because if you go into next year like we got Kopech we're good you're playing yourself mm-hmm. like you 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 damn near need to t- knock one of those kids down because one you don't know how good their arms are going to be two we kind of still don't know who Kopech is to be honest with you and I mean that's just it's just the truth I mean we know who we want him to be but we don't know who he is. And if you could think you're going to get 200 innings out of him, you'd be foolish. But what are your thoughts on perhaps moving off of Ricky this year? And if you had a choice, who would it be? And I guess also I should throw in the Ozzie Guillen dilemma because I, I argue with people half the time that want Ozzie to come back. And one, I talk about the liability. But two, I just talk about – I think about how the game has changed, and I don't necessarily know if that would necessarily work. So I really don't have interest in it. Um. I don't care if Ricky comes back or not, but if he doesn't, that'd be great. Fine. I don't, I have, 
Like the thing I wrote the other day, people thought I was caping for Ricky. It's mm-hmm. not for Ricky. It's for all managers. I think they are useless for the most part as far as game people. Mm-hmm. If you, what I would want is a person who is an analytical driven person. So throw Joe Sheehan in there. Throw a guy who knows numbers. You said Joe Sheehan. <laughs> throw somebody who knows numbers. That guy would have a better understanding of uh, breakdowns, of uh, the numbers that this guy has faced, this guy. You still got to interact with the team, though, uh, Herb. You still got to got to have bench coaches and stuff for that. That's <laughs> I think that's the that's the thing I think managers are good for. Okay, stuff off the field, like keeping the team happy, keeping the guys loose, keeping the clubhouse cohesive. That stuff is a manager's real job. During the game. I don't think the manager really has a strong feeling on wins and losses. That's not like people think that move loss, this move win type of thing. That doesn't happen. Like this year, I guarantee the Dodgers are going to win the the world series. It's not because of Dave Roberts pushing the right buttons. It's because they have the best players. They're just a superior team. They're a great, great team. Dave Roberts, I don't think can mess that up. Even if he fucks it up, even if remember, I this is one of my huge ones. Everybody was talking about you fire Ricky Renteria to get Joe Madden because Joe Madden's a better manager. And then they got to the World Series, and everybody's like, Joe sucks at managing this game, and he messed this thing up. And guess what? The Cubs still won the World Series. So, what's the problem? You still want a good manager, Herbie. I can't rock with that one. No, but what what, what is a good manager, though? What is it? Like, I want a guy that Cleveland, uses analytics. Cleveland just, went, Cleveland just oh. went to the playoffs without Tito Francona with, <laughs> with Sandy Alomar. But listen, I would have been happy with any of the Cleveland three. All right, let me run them down for you. That's Terry Francona, all right, has been, been their manager now. But really, who I want, Sandy or the guy that was in your system in the minor leagues. Even And I don't even know what he could do. Maybe he brought yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, I would have been. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I'm with. I do want my manager to be an analytical guy. I mean, I, I, I don't want just my that guy to be a gut feeling guy. All right, that's just definitely not what I want. I want definitely analytics to be involved in what the manager is necessarily doing. But look, I only got a little bit of time, so let me ask you this real quick. Um, what questions did you have going into the season? Which questions were answered? And what new questions? Uh, came about from how this season, uh, how this season, not just how the season ended, but just the entire season. What what new questions do you have now moving forward? My question, firstly, was is Tim Anderson this guy that mm-hmm. happened that showed him two thousand nineteen, and I was saying no, he's going to be a two eighteen or two eighty five guy, still good, yeah, but not as good, yeah. And that dude was like, nope, I am this good and better. I was going to say better, much better, yeah, yeah. Like he. Now it's like this. Yeah, he is overshot expectations for even White Sox people. Clearly. He's really, really – like, he's a top-of-the-league player, and I never thought he would be that guy. Ever. (laughs) Ever. And that's a credit to the White Sox. Herbie, wait. Everybody – it's it's a very small percentage of people that felt that some other way, and they're probably laughing. So everybody felt like that. Yeah. And so, same thing with Jose Abreu. I was wrong about him. I didn't think that he was going to be this guy. If he's this guy, you got a generational talent. He's going to be having a statue 
at U.S. Cellular Field, guaranteed rate, whatever they're going to call it when he retires. He's really good. He worked on his game, and he's an awesome player now. And same thing with Lucas Giolito. All these players, like 2019, were coming out years, and I didn't know if this was just flash in the pan type of things. And they all answered their questions with, yes, we're these guys. We're going to continue to be these guys moving forward. Now, questions that need to be answered. Will COVID make Yohan Mankata the guy that showed up this year? Right. I had that question. I didn't, I didn't get to it. I couldn't get to it. Thank you. But I had that. I had the same question. Man. Like question. he was like before the year, he was unquestionably the best player on the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And after he was, he was a nice contributor, but nothing like the guy that showed him 2019. I think, People are underestimating the powers of this disease and this illness. And he has been – like, everybody sees it. Like, he's been exhausted going around the bases. Like, a 25-year-old youngster, athlete, is – I had to argue with people. I had to argue with people early in the year and say, you know he had COVID. It's like you you have to act like you know how COVID works, right, and how people come back from it. I have argued with people over there, but please continue. Yeah, and so that's what my – the question of that. And then um, I want to know if they're going to actually go out and get a starting pitcher. They need one. You've said that, like, if you're depending on Kopech, you're – you're, you're foolhardy. That's dumb. Right. You don't know what he is. You need a top-of-the-rotation guy. You saw it in the playoffs. You were, you were short. Get a guy. Get Strowman. Get Trevor Bauer. Get somebody, and you can move. You could, you could battle next year for the AL Central because the Indians are not going anywhere. Right. Twins are not going anywhere, but you're the best team. You have the most talent, I think, on the, on the, in the Central. So, I wonder that if they're going to move on for Ricky, which I don't think so, mm-hmm. will they reach back and get Ozzy? That's I would want Ozzy just for the the comedy. <laughs> and the players love Ozzy. Yeah. Everybody loves Ozzy. And I think that's the most valuable part of Ozzy is the off-the-field stuff, not the on-the-field stuff. Irby, I appreciate it. Everybody follow him at Ursharyle23. Make sure you check out the Locked on Socks podcast and also listen to him and Lawrence from noon to 2 on 6-7 to score. Herbie, always appreciate it, brother. You have a good one. My man. Thank you, Kent. No doubt.